0: Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Pauly ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.
1: Making sure a business thrives is challenging, but sometimes the solution can lie right in the numbers, Uh, specifically 37,000, 25, and 1. Now, these aren't just figures. They're a gateway to more visibility and decisive control in your business. Let's start with 37,000. That's the amount of businesses who've embraced NetSuite by Oracle, the ultimate cloud financial system revolutionizing accounting, financial management, HR, and beyond. And 25? That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do everything from accelerating financial closures to slashing operational costs. And every business is unique, making yours the one that matters. NetSuite offers tailored solutions to amplify your key performance indicators, all consolidated within one streamlined platform. Ready to optimize? Download NetSuite's coveted KPI checklist, engineered to elevate your performance consistently, absolutely free.
3: Good morning, I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. This past week, as the world watched anxiously on, we followed a desperate multinational search for the submersible Titan, lost with five people on board. On a voyage to view the remains of the Titanic at the bottom of the Atlantic, we now know about its unhappy fate. Last summer, our David Pogue boarded the very same submersible in hopes of seeing the legendary wreck for himself. His report now seems to be eerily prescient, in some ways foreshadowing this past week's tragedy. This morning, he looks back and helps us assess.
0: These are the weights that we would drop, the emergency weights. Stockton Rush
4: was piloting his custom-built submersible to the Titanic last Sunday when it imploded, killing him and four others aboard.
5: The tragedy shouldn't have happened in the first place.
4: Rush isn't here to answer questions, but during our visit last summer, he seemed to anticipate many of the critiques.
0: If you're innovating, you're breaking things, by definition. You're you're taking it to, finding out what the limit is.
4: Coming up on Sunday morning, Stockton Rush.
0: You're still gonna be safe.
4: In his own words.
3: In the Hollywood of his days, He was without question a giant. Tracy Smith looks back on the legacy of Rock Hudson, his triumphs, and his trials.
6: Screen legend Rock Hudson did a lot of wooing over his decades-long career, but as we learn in a new documentary, off camera, things were more complicated.
5: We were ordered never to have our picture taken together because somebody would know that we were gay. Rock Hudson's
7: greatest role, in a sense, was playing Rock Hudson.
6: The many lives of Rock Hudson, ahead on Sunday Morning.
3: On this first weekend of summer, Connor Knighton looks at efforts to protect the owl, struggling to survive in an ever more crowded world. I'll talk with my friend and colleague, legendary broadcaster, Tom Brokaw. Opinion from author Wesley Lowry. and more this Sunday morning, June 25th, 2023. And we'll be back after this.
8: Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath, then a two hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
1: Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
3: Catastrophic implosion. The unthinkable became all too real this past week as we learned of the fate of undersea explorer Stockton Rush's Titan Submersible on its way to the Atlantic grave of the Titanic. The questions, the second-guessing, David Pogue tells us, are likely to continue for a long time to come.
4: Last summer, a company called Oceangate invited Sunday morning to join an expedition to the Titanic. At the time, I was thrilled. Next time I come out of this doorway, I'll either be a changed man forever or cursing the bad weather. As the whole world knows now, Oceangate's business was taking adventure seekers on these Titanic dives.
9: Well, we're sitting on the Titanic. We're yeah. on the Titanic.
4: <laughs> for $250,000 a ticket on a one of a kind carbon fiber submersible called the Titan.
0: Carbon fiber is a great material. It's better than titanium, it's better than a lot of other materials.
4: This is Stockton Rush, the CEO of Oceangate and the designer of the sub. Last Sunday, as he was piloting the sub to the Titanic, it imploded, killing him and his four passengers. We spent nine days at sea with Rush last summer, and in wake of the tragic news, we thought you might like to see more of what we saw and hear more of what Stockton Rush said. The Titan wasn't like any previous deep sea submersible. There was no dashboard, just a touchscreen computer and a single power button.
0: We only have one button. That's it. (laughs) Wait a
4: minute. I've I've seen submersibles, and they are banks of controls, like like cockpit after cockpit.
0: Exactly. This is to other submersibles what the iPhone was to the (laughs) Blackberry.
4: But many of its components seemed surprisingly cheap. For views outside the sub, he had installed store-bought security cameras. As for the ceiling lights…
0: I got these from uh, Camper World.
4: Then there was the steering unit. We run the whole thing with this game controller. (laughs) Come on! So it seems like a lot of the way you made this is by taking off-the-shelf parts and sort of MacGyvering them together. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Does that not raise anybody's eyebrows in the industry?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm definitely an outlier. There were a lot of rules out there that didn't make engineering sense to me.
4: Everyone I know keeps asking me the same question. Why would you get on that dangerous sub? Well, first of all, Stockton Rush had the credentials. He majored in aerospace engineering at Princeton. He designed and flew his own airplanes. He designed previous submersibles. Second, he was emphatic that the important parts of the Titan were rock solid, like the carbon fiber body for which NASA served as a consultant.
0: There's certain things that you want to be uh, buttoned down, and that's the pressure vessel. Once the pressure vessel is, you're certain it's not going to collapse on everybody, everything else can fail. Your thrusters can go, your lights can go, you're still going to be safe.
4: Third, I was convinced by an expert, P.H. Nargellet, the veteran deep sea explorer who also perished in the Titan. Over the years, he'd been to the Titanic more than just about anyone. How many times have you been? Uh, With the last uh, dive, uh, 37 times. You've been to the Titanic 37 times? Yes.
5: I was in charge of uh, one, two, three,
4: four, five, five sub. How different is the Titan from those other subs? Completely different. Most of them, you have a sphere. Was there never a point when you wondered about the, the safety of the sub at that depth?
5: No. Two or three years ago, I had a phone call with uh, Stockton, and he explained to me that he was doing a, a lot of tests. He showed me some the, the ways they were building the stuff. I said, OK, that's fine. That's fine. I have no problem to dive in the sub.
4: I was also impressed by the sub's seven redundant systems for returning to the surface.
2: These are roll weights. We can actually roll this up and those come off. That gains us some buoyancy to come back to the surface. These triple weights, we call them, are are hydraulically driven. Expedition manager Kyle Bingham. Underneath this tray hang these bags. We're around around 35 pounds and those hang down there. Typical dive will have eight of them. Uh, We can also use our thrusters. We have enough power to thrust back up. And then under this last fairing here, we have our variable ballast tank or soft ballast. It's an air bladder that we use a big 10,000 PSI air tank that's under the tail to fill that up, fill it with air, and then it helps bring us to the surface.
4: There were even sandbags that detach automatically after about 16 hours, even if everyone inside had passed out. Their connectors would dissolve in seawater. So you have a backup of a backup of a backup of a backup of a backup, correct.
0: All stations are warning dive go. Please stand
4: by. Finally, the crew seemed to foster a culture of safety. There were checklists, inspections before and after every dive, and a three strikes rule. If three things seemed out of the ordinary, no matter how minor, they'd cancel the dive. I learned that the hard way on our own dive.
0: We're in the water, we're floating.
4: At this point, divers are supposed to detach the sub from its launch platform. So apparently those floats there came off the platform and that wasn't supposed to happen. So we're scrubbing?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's the consensus up here.
4: Copy that. I never did see the Titanic, and I wasn't unusual. In Ocean Gate's first two summers of Titanic operations, it spent a total of 50 days floating above the shipwreck site. But because of waves, bad weather, and malfunctions, the Titan actually made it to the Titanic only 12 times. But through it all, Stockton Rush defended his unconventional approach.
0: I mean, anything when you're trying something outside the box, people inside the box think you're nuts. (laughs) Same thing when uh, Elon Musk was doing SpaceX. Inside the box, everything's scary.
4: But as early as 2018, there was concern about the Titan's design. A former employee says that when he raised safety concerns, Rush fired him. That same year, a group of submersible engineers urged Rush to seek certification of the Titan by a safety agency. Rush declined, saying that regulation would stifle innovation.
0: At some point, safety just is pure waste. I mean, if you just wanna be safe, don't get out of bed, don't get in your car, don't do anything. At some point, you're gonna take some risk, and it really is a risk-reward question. I said, I think I can do this just as safely by breaking the rules.
4: So, Captain McLaren, Have you spent much time in submarines?
5: David, my total time under the water, divorced from the outside atmosphere is a little over five and three quarters years. No kidding. Fact.
4: Retired U.S. Navy Submarine Captain Alfred McLaren is not impressed by OceanGate's innovations.
5: I mean, would you fly in an airplane that somebody excitedly tells you, well, it's going to be a lot cheaper because we found a new way of attaching the wings. Yeah, right.
4: He theorizes that the Titan failed not because it was made of carbon fiber, but because it was made of three dissimilar materials, carbon fiber, titanium, and plexiglass for the porthole.
5: When you have different materials, different molecular structure, they have different coefficients of expansion and compression, and you, then you make repeated cycles in depth, of course you're going to work that seal loose. And that's why submarines don't run around with, with any portholes at all, come to think of it. It's a weak point.
10: I think there's a, a great, almost surreal um, irony here, which is Titanic sank because the captain took it full steam into a, an ice field at night, on a moonless night with very poor visibility, uh, after he had been repeatedly warned by telegram, by Marconigram.
4: In an interview with Anderson Cooper... Filmmaker and veteran Titanic diver James Cameron pointed out a sad parallel between Stockton Rush and the captain of the Titanic.
10: The arrogance and the hubris that sent that ship to its doom is exactly the same thing that sent those people in that that sub to their fate.
4: The world mourns the loss of Stockton Rush, P.H. Narjaleh, and their three passengers, British billionaire Hamish Harding, Pakistani businessman Jazada Daywood and his son, Suleiman. Already, there's talk of restrictions and regulations and lawsuits. Will the Ocean Gate disaster mean fewer people going adventuring? Well, every year, people do die skydiving and scuba diving and climbing Mount Everest. Tragic every time, and yet, people still keep coming. Some people just have that itch. For them, danger is the point. The risk of dying gives meaning to living. I think Stockton Rush was among them.
0: I wanted to be sort of the Captain Kirk. Um, I didn't want to be the passenger in the back. (laughs) And I realized that the ocean is, is the universe. That's where life is.
11: Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. And it needs to say, I'm a thoughtful person. And I appreciate you. And... I know exactly what you like, all at the same time. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life, like the pickleballer, the jazz fan, the zen seeker, the artist, or the pasta lover. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, There's something for everyone on Etsy. A gifting moment is always around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic.
8: Gift easy
11: with Gift Mode on Etsy.
8: Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account?
3: For owls these days, wisdom isn't enough because outsmarting climate change and habitat loss is no small challenge. Connor Knighton introduces us to a man who spent a lifetime trying to help.
2: This sprawling site near Hermiston, Oregon, was once an active army depot. Built in 1941, it eventually became known as the Umatilla Chemical Depot. Deadly agents like sarin gas were housed in rows of concrete bunkers you can still see from the air. But you have to be at ground level to notice all of the burrows. This land is home to around 50 pairs of burrowing owls.
12: They have to have burrows for protection for nesting. I mean, their life revolves
2: around burrows. David H. Johnson's life revolves around owls. He claims he didn't have much say in the matter.
12: I didn't pick owls. They picked me.
2: When Johnson was just 11 years old, an eastern screech owl landed on the edge of his tent, and he was captivated. We're going to set two traps out here. Today, Uh, he's the director of the Global Owl Project.
12: There are two important days in your life, the day you're born and the day you find out why. I'm here to help owls and conservation of the planet and the people that I care about.
2: Unlike most owl species, which nest in trees, burrowing owls live underground, often in holes left behind by other creatures like badgers or prairie dogs… or humans. To restore this land's dwindling owl population, Johnson has been creating and installing artificial burrows here since 2008.
12: You can tell it's a male because a female will have this really huge brood patch
2: it's given him an opportunity to study the owls, banding them, recording their vocalizations, tracking migrations with small locator devices.
13: The science of owls is just vast and fascinating. We've been
4: studying these birds for a very long time, but it's really only recently that we've had the kind of advances in technology, the breakthroughs that have allowed us to solve some of the mysteries that have been around
5: for centuries.
2: Author Jennifer Ackerman included Johnson's research in her new book, What an Owl Knows,
5: Wood ducks are falling in over here. They just splash down.
2: I met up with Ackerman at an owl prowl in Indiana, where owl enthusiasts spend an evening wandering around in the darkness, looking and listening for the elusive creatures.
5: Did y'all hear the bar owl?
1: <laughs> it's this combination of the strange and the familiar that I think makes people just obsess about owls. And we
4: have been... Obsessing as a species about owls for tens of thousands of years.
2: More than 30,000 years ago, this owl portrait was scratched into the wall of France's Chauvet Pont d'Arc cave. More recently, owls have popped up in everything from Tootsie Pop commercials.
10: How many lips does it take to get to the Tootsie
1: Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? Let's find out.
2: To Harry Potter.
9: Right, smart bird you got there, Mr. Potter.
2: Humans have
12: a great imagination and we've projected on owls in all kinds of different ways. You know, someone's going to get sick or die or they have wisdom, you know, they're just owls and they're doing what they do best.
2: For the past decade, Johnson has been studying how cultures all across the world view owls. Are they wise spirits or are they eerie messengers of death? Through the Global Owl Project, his team has conducted around 6,000 interviews in 28 countries talking to residents about their beliefs and documenting examples of owl imagery.
12: Owls are uh, mysterious. When you see an owl, you realize the owl's been watching you for quite a while already. And it kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies because like, you know, I'm just seeing this now and it's been watching me the whole time. So that scares some people. We're gonna put this on.
2: For Andrew Wildbill, wildlife manager with the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation, The burrowing owl holds a special significance.
13: These burrowing owls are are highly important to our tribal culture, and we recognize them as being a very important animal in this ecosystem.
2: The Army recently transferred thousands of acres of the former depot back to the tribes. The owls are thriving once again on this site, and Johnson is handing off his research project to the tribes as well. He's fighting stage four colon cancer and needs to focus on his treatment. All right, around the leg, yep. close to the chest. Yep. Oh wow, hey buddy. But he's going to keep fighting for owls. There are more than 260 species found all across the globe. I wish I could do as
12: much as I could for everything on earth, yeah, I can't. What I can do is I can help owls. I'm going to work with owls until my last breath.
6: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
11: When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great tasting, high quality organic dairy ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop.
3: Tom Brokaw is among our most illustrious broadcast journalists. He's a colleague, a friend, and truly a witness to our times.
9: Life in the streets of Beijing.
3: He would never have imagined biking through Tiananmen Square.
9: Only one passing bicyclist seemed to know what we were up to.
3: For 20 years, Tom Brokaw was at the helm of NBC Nightly News
9: in El Salvador delivering
3: the new news government. of the day
9: and we have a remarkable development here tonight at the Brandenburg Gate
3: and sometimes the news of a lifetime the wall is effectively down
9: that was one of the biggest stories of the 20th century and I was the only one there
3: the only one of the big 3 Peter Jennings Dan Rather Tom Brokaw
9: and we were competing All day, every day. This is NBC Nightly News.
3: And then facing off
9: with Tom Brokaw in New York. Every night. President Reagan today.
3: Colleagues still call him Duncan. Duncan the Wonder Horse for his vaunted capacity for work. Never give up. Could explain where that comes from. Brokaw's latest book is a hybrid, memoir and history. A kind of love letter to his parents and the hard-working people of the Plains who shared a never-give-up outlook. Is this the story of your success compared to your parents, or because
9: of your parents? Oh, it's because of my parents.
3: This is Tom Brokaw's dad.
9: He was the toughest kid in town.
3: If a character had been invented by Mark Twain and Charles Dickens, <laughs> it would have been Red Brokaw. In elementary school, drop out. A town tough. I don't think anybody tucked him in at night. The youngest of 10, Red Brokaw had a learning disability, quit school in second grade, and went to work at the age of eight. He was doing horrifyingly dangerous jobs. One of them was digging a deep
9: well, and they were put a rope around my dad's legs and drop him down headfirst first into the well.
3: In those times, nobody batted an eye. When your father is on some kind of agricultural contraption, and if he had fallen off his perch, he would have been shredded.
9: There were no rules in those days. And if there were federal regulation, they didn't get all the way to Bristol, South Dakota, I got to tell you.
3: After the Civil War, like other ambitious young men, Tom's great grandfather went west and got off the train in Bristol. What opportunity did he think he would find in the middle of
9: nowhere? Nowhere. It was completely barren at that point. And he decided what it really needed. It was a place where people could find food and find a place to stay.
3: Over the years, the Brokaw House became a local landmark. A family business, everyone worked. Oyster stew and coleslaw, boiled lamb, duck, roast beef, roast turkey, mashed potatoes, peas, squash, steamed suet pudding. That sounds delicious. Mince pie, apple pie, custard pie, blueberry pie, orange pudding, assorted cake. Mrs. Brokaw was in the kitchen and made it all.
9: My grandmother unfortunately died at an early age. She was only 42 because she just worked full time.
3: Throughout his life, it seems Red Brokaw worked all the time.
9: He wanted to be respected. He wanted the people to think well of him.
3: Your parents on yeah. their wedding day. How more handsome can they be? Tom's interest in news gathering may have come from his mother, Jean. A working mother, she was the local postmistress.
9: It was like being the head of a newspaper in town. Everything went through the post office.
3: Red Brokaw was as self-made as a working man could be. A genius with heavy machinery, and he could build anything.
4: Harnessing the Missouri River, the first
3: power comes from the fourth largest earth dam in the world, Fort Randall. A muscular monument to a confident post-war America, the Fort Randall Dam stands astride the Missouri River, built in nine years by the Army Corps of Engineers and an army of working men like Red Brokaw. I think of that dam and if you build it, they will come.
9: It was a hugely important dam for flood control and other things, and for creating power.
3: And jobs. The Brokaw family packed up and headed for Pickstown. Pickstown sounds like a mirage.
9: Pickstown was a magical place, and it had everything you can imagine. It had great schools, it had great hospitals, and everybody came from all over America, mostly working class.
3: Pickstown was a manufactured town for the people who would build the dam who found neat houses with state-of-the-art amenities like heat and running water.
9: And at the end of the nine years, they folded it up and shipped it away.
3: The story of Tom Brokaw's success begins in Pickstown.
9: When there was a school play, I had a lead. When there was an event that was going on in town in which they needed an MC, guess who they called?
3: Yankton, South Dakota, is what Tom calls home. His high school resume includes governor of South Dakota Boys State, class president. Meredith Ald was vice president, a cheerleader, the doctor's daughter, and his future wife. You've been married for how long? Sixty
9: years. Six-oh. A six and an o.
3: When she was about to marry you, she explains to a friend, well, I don't know if we'll make any money, but life will be interesting. You're right. Beyond their dreams. In 1976, Tom's career was taking off.
9: That is Dawn coming up over New York this morning.
3: The new host of today.
9: There is a welcome new addition to this set, a kind of Dawn in itself. It is Jane <laughs> Polly, of
3: course. With a really new newcomer by his side.
9: I knew Gary before he met you.
3: Meredith was a matchmaker.
9: I knew he was showing up at my office. A lot. The nurse says, not about you. He wants to meet Jane. I said, oh.
3: Well, on behalf of my children, thank you.
9: <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go see the grandson play soccer.
3: Sarah and I and Archer will be looking around Madrid, and then he goes to camp. The Brokaw's dote on their three daughters and five grandchildren.
9: It's a commentary on where we've come in life. You know, we now have a, a grandson who's going away to a soccer camp in Europe.
3: It seems unimaginable from our early oh, oh, yeah. life, right? Ten years ago, life took a hard turn. Diagnosed with multiple myeloma, an incurable blood cancer. Tom Brokaw wasn't supposed to live to be 83. But Duncan is still the wonder horse.
9: I've had a bad experience. I kept thinking bad things would happen to me. But as I grew older... I began to develop this condition. And what you try to do is control it as much as you can. And I've had to change my life in some way. I really had to give up my daily activity with NBC. I had to walk away from them as they were walking away from me. I just wasn't the same person. And so for the first time in my life, I was kind of out there, you know, in a place I had never been in my life.
3: But what a life it's been. You were deeply formed by your South Dakota roots. You left, but what did you take with you?
9: That you get things done by getting them done. As my family and my friends will all tell you, I never run out of gas.
6: (laughs) Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news.
7: I make the flirty eye
5: at you.
3: For all appearances, Rock Hudson seemed to be central casting for the Hollywood heartthrob. But as we now know, there was so much more to his story. Tracy Smith looks back at the life and legacy of Rock Hudson.
9: You are my inspiration, Marie.
6: A Hollywood producer once called him Prince Charming.
1: Can't you see it's impossible? No.
7: This is the only thing that
6: matters. Fitting nickname for a man whose life seemed, for most of it, like a storybook. Well, hello. I'm an inspector.
7: What would you like to inspect?
6: You. Rock Hudson started steaming up the screen in the 1950s and continued for nearly four decades in more than 60 films.
9: I'd like to kiss you.
12: That's even easier than dancing.
6: But today, he's perhaps overlooked, says documentary director Stephen Kayak. Why do you think his name is not up there with the James Deans and the Marilyn Monroes? I don't
4: know, you know? I think it's partly because the legacy ends up just being, oh, Rock Hudson was that actor who died of AIDS. The Rock was
9: an icon. He was by far the biggest star in Hollywood.
13: Not only did women say, that's the man I want to marry, many men said, that's the man I'd like to be.
6: But now, in his new HBO documentary, All That Heaven Allowed, Kayak explores Rock Hudson's whole life as a global star and closeted gay man talking to friends like Ken Gilson.
9: Our social life with him was very private. I mean, we didn't go out to restaurants. We would go to The Rock's house. It was called The Castle.
6: Yes, Prince Charming really did call his home The Castle, a Beverly Hills mansion that must have seemed a million miles away from Winnetka, Illinois, where Hudson grew up as Roy Fitzgerald.
7: I could never freely say I'm going to be an actor. When I grow up, yeah. because that's sissy stuff. He comes from a very modest background.
6: Biographer Mark Griffin says when Roy from Illinois met notorious Hollywood agent Henry Wilson, the first thing he did was change his name to a manly Rock Hudson.
7: And then you have to groom the person to match the name, as it were. And Rock really was Henry Wilson's most successful creation by far.
6: He molded him into Mm. exactly what America was looking for.
7: Yeah, perfect archetype for American masculinity at that time. It's been so long. (sighs)
9: Much too long.
6: He was paired with the biggest stars, Jane Wyman in Magnificent Obsession.
9: Hello? Hello? Morning, Miss Mara.
6: And three movies with Doris Day, starting with Pillow Talk.
9: Look. I don't know what's bothering you, but don't take your bedroom problems out on me.
3: I have no
6: bedroom problems. There's nothing in my bedroom that bothers me.
9: Oh, that's too bad.
6: In real life, Hudson was dating men like Lee Garlington.
5: We were ordered never to have our picture taken together because somebody would know that we were gay.
6: Hudson even married his agent's secretary, Phyllis Gates. It lasted just three years. But Hudson's commitment to playing straight never faltered. And friends like Doris Day kept his secret. Many, many people would ask me,
13: you know, is Rock Hudson really gay? And I said, it's something that I will not discuss. I mean, first of all, I know nothing about his private life. Hudson's career evolved.
9: Allow me to finish my champagne.
6: From movies to tv including the hit 70s series mcmillan and wife but in the 80s his life collided with the emerging aids epidemic
7: i was asked to see a celebrity patient rock hudson and determined in fact that he did have aids i guided him as best i could it was still the dark ages and so
4: everyone was afraid there was a lot of fear there was a lot of denial And I think his way of coping was just to keep working and to deny that anything was wrong because no one knew in those days. Nobody knew what was going to happen.
6: As his health worsened, Hudson took on one last role with one last leading lady, Linda Evans, on Dynasty. As the documentary tells it, his diagnosis was still a secret to everyone, including her.
13: But he was so much thinner and didn't look like he felt good shoulder.
6: At a time when some feared that kissing could transmit the
13: virus that causes AIDS, the script called for just that. Fine, Daniel, I'm fine. They wanted it to be passionate. And it didn't end up being that. How was he kissing you? Very timidly, very unromantically. And I knew he knew how to kiss passionately. And that's why I was surprised. He's a fine actor, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, so it was confusing.
6: Tonight, David Dow reports another case of AIDS has been confirmed, affecting the most well-known victim yet. But on July 25th, 1985, it became day, clear with a publicist's announcement Paris, from Paris person, where, where Hudson had Hudson. gone for treatment.
11: Mr. Rock Hudson has acquired Immune Deficiency
3: Syndrome, which was diagnosed over a year ago in the United States.
7: How famous was he?
4: One press conference announcing that Rock Hudson has AIDS, and in about five minutes, it's a worldwide news story. It's on every newspaper, every news program. It's the lead.
13: I was just devastated for him. And then in thinking back, I felt very strongly that, that he kissed me like that to protect me. Nobody knew, but they said kissing could be one of the ways that you could catch it possibly. And the thing that was so hard, so hard, was the press was so brutal with him after that. And they didn't realize what he was going through
6: Returning from Paris was
13: its own ordeal.
7: He's actually forced, if you can believe it, to charter at the expense of $250,000, a chartered 747, which would fly him back to America, essentially home to die, as it were, because no commercial flights at that time would willingly accept even an A-list celebrity who was dying of AIDS.
6: Back in the castle, on his deathbed, he was comforted by his dear friend, Elizabeth Taylor.
7: And everyone was maintaining a very polite distance. And Taylor, quite admirably, said, well, this is ridiculous. And she crawled into bed with him and cuddled with him and hugged him as though kind of a little bit of a maternal gesture.
6: Elizabeth Taylor became a leader in the fight against AIDS. And, Griffin says, Rock Hudson played a vital role.
7: Because everyone knew Rock Hudson, now everyone in the world knew somebody who had AIDS. And suddenly there was public interest.
6: So is it fair to say that there was AIDS before Rock Hudson, AIDS after Rock Hudson? It
7: was Rock's own physician who said, Rock Hudson was the single most influential AIDS patient in history because he changed the way that the disease was perceived.
6: Rock Hudson died at age 59 on October 2nd, 1985. Just a few weeks earlier, he'd sent a note to be read aloud at an AIDS fundraiser. I am not happy that I am sick. I am not happy that I have AIDS. But if that is helping others, I can at least know my own misfortune has had some positive worth.
3: Journalist Wesley Lowry's new book is called American White Lash. His thoughts this morning about the recent surge in white supremacist violence.
10: Of all the newspapers that I've come across in bookstores and vintage shops, one of my most cherished is a copy of the April 9, 1968 edition of the now defunct Chicago Daily News. It's a 12-page special section that they published after the death of Martin Luther King Jr., The second-to-last page contains a searing column by Mike Royko, one of the city's and country's most famed writers. King was executed by a firing squad that numbered in the millions, Royko wrote. The man with the gun did what he was told. Millions of bigots, subtle and obvious, put it in his hand and assured him he was doing the right thing. We live in a time of disruption and racial violence. We've lived through generational events. I, Barack Hussein Obama, do solemnly swear. The historic election of a black president. The rise of a new civil rights movement. Black lives census forecasts that tell us Hispanic immigration is fundamentally changing our nation's demographics. But now, we're living through the backlash that all of those changes have prompted. The last decade and a half has been an era of white racial grievance. An era, as I've come to think of it, of American whitelash, Just as Royko argued, we've seen white supremacists carry out acts of violence that have been egged on by hateful, hyperbolic mainstream political rhetoric. With a new presidential election cycle upon us, we're already seeing a fresh wave of invective that demonizes immigrants and refugees, stokes fear about crime and efforts towards racial equity, and villainizes anyone who is different. Make no mistake, such fear-mongering is dangerous it puts real people's lives at risk for political parties and their leaders. This moment presents a test of whether they remain willing to weaponize fear, knowing that it could result in tragedy. For those of us in the press, it requires decisions about what rhetoric we platform in our pages and what we allow to go unchecked on our airwaves. But most importantly, for all of us as citizens, this moment that we're living through provides a choice. Will we be, as we proclaimed at our founding, a nation for all.
3: Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce
2: season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die. Like buffets. Listen to Mobituaries with Moraka on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
14: The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. Hi, I'm Misha Brown, and I'm the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each episode, comedians join me to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently on The Big Flop, we looked at the reality TV show, The Swan.